0: Hopefully everybody can understand and we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary.
2: This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower, what's next? Start today at Empower.com tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.
1: Welcome to Extra Point Taking Shield Kapate here, joined by Ben Solak. Happy New Year to everyone. Week 17 is a wrap. One more week left to determine who's in, who's out. You got three spots up for grabs in the AFC, two in the NFC. Uh, I think 11 teams who don't know whether they're going to be in or out going into week 18. We'll talk about that. You got the coach hiring and firing cycle. You got the offseason. Who knows what direction we'll go in. Solak looks like a man who stayed up late watching the college football playoff, but is still feeling refreshed.
0: Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm not on the most sleep I've had in my entire life. I did watch the end of, of Texas Washington. I, uh, as a Texas spread better, I didn't enjoy the majority of the game. As a, I'm gonna take the Washington spread against Michigan in the national championship before this game even ends. Better, I really didn't enjoy the end of the game. It was highly stressful. But man, I this is the problem with with NFL pods this late in the season. I've watched more college film this week than I've watched NFL film. So I'm getting ready for the Senior Bowl later in January, right? I've got... We got the National Championship games. I'm getting... The NFL Draft Show's kicking back up. Subscribe to the NFL Draft Show. Bring our NFL fantasy feed. So I'm, I'm like... I'll, I went to my brain for takes for this show. My, my brain was like, Malik Neighbors, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix. And I'd be like, no, 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 the other one, the professional one. Think about those games again.
1: You could still mix in like a hot, you know, it's got to be something big. Like, I don't want to know who your, you know, day three guard is. But if you have like a hot Caleb Williams or Drake May or Michael Penix is going to be better than both of them. Take that. I would be happy uh, to hear any of those. So there you go. Did you watch
0: that game last night or no? Y- yeah, of course. Yeah panics Kim. that was the best i've seen panics oh my god he stepped off the just, moment, man. that was something to say
1: he can he can uh he can sling it there's no doubt about it i bet we'll listen we'll get to the takes but i had i mean the the time these games start for an east coast old man like myself i do this stupid thing i wonder if any of our audience does this if you are uh, an old man like me when there are these late games on at halftime i'm like all right i gotta get all my like Get ready for bed stuff. I will go brush my teeth at halftime, just so that the moment the game ends, I'm like, all right, I'm going right to sleep right now. And that was one thing I do. I don't know if anyone else does that. It's stupid. It saves you like three minutes. There's no point in doing it. Trust me. I know. I see you looking at me. I know it's dumb. Other things, so like I just you, you can't snack during the second half. No, I mean, like, I, it's late. I'm the kid. Can't eat anything that late. When you get listen, when you get my age, you can't. You can have a little snack here and there. But I was full. I wasn't feeling like I needed a snack at that time.
0: And if I'm watching football at, at 1230 in the morning, which is a thing I do perilously often at this time of year, you better know I'm, I'm snacking while that's happening. I need, mm-hmm. I need, I need the sustenance okay. to keep me up. I need to be engaged mentally by a Clementine.
1: And then the other dumb thing I did, uh, I rip all these coaches for their clock management after Washington recovered the onside kick. Uh, All right, game's over. They can just take a knee. Turn it off. Wake up to texts and messages. Luckily, with, you know, YouTube TV sponsor had the game recorded so I could watch the final uh, minute and a half there. Holy cow, I missed like 40 minutes of action there in the final minute and a half. So there you go. Those are my notes.
0: This game is a good segue point into my first take shield. This is an incredible professional podcast. Go right, right
1: to it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's
0: start it up. Uh, now Washington game, they're running the ball on third down and their star running back. Dylan Johnson gets hurt and potentially like, a, you know, as a, a major injury for the upcoming national championship game. And, and why didn't they just kneel the ball and you got to eat the clock and like a, a very fraught decision that ended up in a bad, bad spot for Washington. My first take is that I think Mike McDaniel blew the dolphins playoff hopes by letting Bradley Chubb continue to play there late in the fourth Ooh. quarter. Uh, and you never, you, you don't know this is going to happen. Like, it's all I, I, I it, it isn't to say that it's Mike McDaniel's fault that Bradley Chubb got hurt. That I think is a too direct line of causation. But for those who missed it, while the Dolphins and the Ravens were playing, it's three minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Dolphins have already gone for like a fourth and seven from their own 25, right? They're already in like super desperation. We'd need 19,000 things to have in order to win mode. Three minutes left, down by 30. Tyler Huntley is in for the Ravens. He's handing off to Melvin Ingram, right? I mean, the Ravens got their backups in. The Dolphins have some starters out there on defense. And one of their starters is Bradley Chubb, who's a a starting defensive end for them. He's their leading sack getter on the season. He has 11 on the season. He's got a a history of injuries, right? This is an injury history going back to college. And you've already had one edge rusher and Jalen Phillips go down with major injury this season. Bradley Chubb is really, really high on the list of important players on your defense. He might not be one, but he, like, uh, he's, he's probably top two in terms of important players on your defense. Chubb's chasing down Ingram. He gets twisted down a bad way. He, you hear it immediately on the broadcast. He yells in the broadcast. He collapses. He grabs his knee. They got to cart him off. Uh, and then MRI reveals uh, the next day he's got a torn ACL. He's out for the season. Uh, so Mike McDaniel was asked about the decision to have Bradley Chubb in uh, that late in the game. And you know, he says in hindsight, obviously I shouldn't have done it. It doesn't look smart at all. Uh, he 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 brings up okay, last year you know we were down late against the Ravens as well, and like the thinking was like you know we had such an incredible comeback then, maybe we could now. And that's true in the beginning of the fourth quarter when you're down 21. It's not true with three minutes left when when you're down 30. Like that's just not it's, it. It isn't happening. It doesn't matter what you got on offense. It's not happening. And so it was a egregious mistake. And it's important to highlight these because. Oftentimes we have coaches that like we don't like, or coaches that regularly make end of game decisions that make a bad one. And like, we're on here and immediately just like, you can't do that. This is terrible. Mike, we generally like, McDaniels interviewed as a very good coach and a very smart guy. Like his offense is amazing. And the way he's handled two is great. Like I, I have a world of respect and admiration for how Mike does the job. This was such a bad mistake. This is such a dumb knuckleheaded error. Really, really bad. Where are the dolphins at now? Well, uh, You're, like I said, leading sack out of Bradley Chubb. 11 sacks in the season is now out for the year. Jalen Phillips, who's their their other star edge rusher, he didn't have the same stats. His pressure rate's a little bit lower. He only had six and a half sacks in the season. But he was the guy that when you were on offense game planning against this unit, that was the guy you were worried about on third down. He's also out for the year. You're losing 445 pass rushing snaps from Chubb at at defensive end and another 198 from Jalen Phillips. They still have some meaningful players in the pass rush. I don't want to minimize what Zach Sealer can do as like a little defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid. He's got nine and a half sacks on the season. He's having a great year. They gave him an extension. He's really paying them off for it. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, who's like a little hybrid outside linebacker, pass rusher for them. He's got juice off the edge. Christian Wilkins has always had a nice presence, you know, from the interior. They have players. But like this team, you know, they brought in Jason Pierre-Paul to like, see what he could be, you know, and, like, and then they, he wasn't it for them. They have Melvin Ingram on the roster. They've already done the, like, kick the tires on the vets that are around, hoping that somebody's got enough juice for them to be meaningful. They've already done a couple times this season, and haven't really gotten return on their investment. Justin Houston's still hanging around. Uh, free agent, go get you a Justin Houston, but like, it's Justin Houston. You know, it, it, it there, no one's, it, this is January. No one's coming around the mountain to save the pass rush. And and this defense, which has been so good down the stretch, has been so holistically, it's been so because of all 11 players, it's been so because of a good scheme. I don't want to say this is like a pass rush oriented defense without a pass rush, they're dead in the water. But it is becoming really hard to overlook now this issue for the Dolphins defense, where on that defensive front, particularly on the edges, they are down to, to, to bare bones in terms of their roster. They've lost two highly impactful players to injury. The second one, Bradley Chubb, in a very, very silly way and in a in a tight AFC, man, where I I really liked the Dolphins preseason. I've liked them all season and I liked them even like after the Cowboys lost. And even though that Ravens embarrassing loss, it's like, okay, well like they still like get Jalen Waddle back. They can still put points on. Like I still had I still had avenues in my mind where the Dolphins made an AFC run. Those are getting thinner and thinner and thinner with these injuries.
1: It's one of the weirdest things NFL coaches do because it doesn't align with the way the league and the trends have gone in what the last five or 10 years. When you look at what teams do in August and uh, what they do during the week, during the season and the more walkthroughs and the fewer pads. And it's like they realized at some point in the last 10 years, that one of the biggest predictors of success in the NFL is very simply, how injured are you? And you know how many healthy guys do you have once January rolls around? I mean, that tells you the story so often about which teams are good, And which teams are bad. And so uh, I'm with you. I don't understand this at all. Yeah, I I can understand like early in the fourth quarter, even if you're down three or four touchdowns, you're the Dolphins. You can score, you know, very quickly. Uh, There's always a chance. It's a big game. It's a high leverage game. Uh, So go ahead and try to win. But at that point in the game, like at some point, whether you need to have some type of mathematical formula or feel where you just look out there and say they're playing Tyler Huntley, this game is probably over. Uh, let's not put our guys out there. You need to take your best players off the field. Now, to be fair to Mike McDaniel, I'm sure, you know, he would say t- you can't take everybody off the field. You only have, you know, a certain number of people on the game day roster. And so you have to play somebody and you're thin at certain positions. But Bradley Chubb, like you mentioned, I mean, that is absolutely a guy at a position and you know, his value to the team that should not be playing in that spot. Yeah. And you're right to call out other, you know, coaches and teams too. I mean, Kyle Shanahan was doing this with Christian McCaffrey early in the season. They're at the point and McCaffrey's got a mild
0: calf sprain. He's not going to play week 18. Right. And it's like, that. It, which which the, the McCaffrey point is just when you use a guy for this many snaps, right. he is more likely to get banged up than not by the time January comes around. Especially a running back. Right. It's one thing to have like second year man, Kater Kohu, who's still playing nickel. He's just starting nickel, but he's Kater Kohu. Like, now, he's an important member of the team, but he doesn't have an injury history. He's a young guy. Like, it's one thing. When it's the dudes who regularly get banged up with the number of snaps that they play, you have to be cognizant of it.
1: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a good one to call out. I mean, you wonder, you yeah, had no Chub. I like. I remember we had a conversation when Jalen Phillips went down, and I was like, I don't know about yeah. this Dolphins defense. And the Dolphins defense took off without Jalen Phillips and was awesome. Um. You know, Vic Fangio, that's what the money's for. Now you got to really figure it out, and scheme it up with the guys you have. But at some point, when you don't have the pass rush, it becomes a lot harder. So, Dolphins are such an interesting team here going into Week 18, going into the playoffs. Like, you f- it's been a really mostly feel-good season for them the entire season. But like, how does this thing end? I mean, if you lose this week and then you lose in the first round of the playoffs, how are you feeling about this team going into the offseason? Are you still like, hey, everything's great. They got some bad injury luck. Or is there more to it uh, than that? So uh, that's a good one, certainly, to call out.
0: Uh, more likely right now to make the AFC Championship game. The Miami Dolphins or the Cleveland Browns?
1: Whoo, baby. Okay, Miami Dolphins or the Cleveland Browns. Browns are going to go to the winner of the AFC South. So you're, I mean, I, I, I kind of think the Browns. is that crazy? Yeah. What do you think?
0: I mean, it, it, so the reason why this conversation, this question is tricky now is because the Dolphins might have all home games before the championship game, if they get the two seed, or they might have all road games to get the six seed, right? So there's a lot of leverage hanging still in week 18. I do think the Dolphins are still more likely to but the, the the direction of the arrows right now is really meaningful. Cleveland has never been more up than they are right now. Miami has never been more down than they are right now. Right, and so there's very different trajectories for those two teams. I think it makes it hard to calibrate because it feels like all right, Cleveland's on the rise, Miami's on the fall. I don't know. I'm I, this Cleveland team, man. I tell you, like they're very they're very interesting. They're very here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is an historically <laughs> good defense. And I, I think we're we're I think we're too easily. this is gonna be one of my takes. It's not one of my takes. I think we're too easily waving away. like, oh, they have the best defense. They have like uh, Ben Baldwin put up his series conversion rate numbers, which just how often an opponent's first and ten becomes either a new first and ten or a touchdown. Cleveland's the best defense since ninety nine. like this is a mm. unbelievably good defense. And I'm just I'm looking at this AFC with just a lot of liable teams and uh, shaky offenses and some injuries. And I'm just like, man, what if Cleveland just wins every game 13 to 10? I am star- starting to worm its way into my head.
1: Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah, I think we'll get to our predictions and uh, sleepers and all that here in the weeks ahead, but I don't have a massive disagreement with you there. Uh, last thing on the dolphins here. At some point, you can't turn away from like what they've done against top competition here. I mean, I, I was I did this little exercise this morning where I looked at every team's record against teams that are still like mathematically uh, could, could still get into the playoffs. So it's teams that are in the playoffs and then teams that could still get into the playoffs against those teams. Dolphins are one in four with a minus 84-point differential, and they've only played five games against those teams, that's the fewest in the NFL. And so it's like, you know, when it's when it's the uh, Chiefs and the Bills and the Eagles and now the Ravens and their only win, you know, was that one against the Cowboys, it's tough to look at that and say, this team's going to go into the playoffs and be, a, you know, uh, and going to make some noise, even though I really like this team. I really like this Dolphins team. I've had fun watching them all season, so we'll see what happens mm-hmm. with them. All right, good segue to mind here. Zolak uh, and I hope I'm not stealing like your extra point taken or anything here. If I am, who cares? We'll figure it out. But I have come up with the Capadia All Juice playoff matchups. Okay, so this, <laughs> this is, is
0: this is very funny because you're the you're the, router, you're the curmudgeon and I'm the I'm the, yeah. the joyful youthful man. No, earlier this week I put on Twitter my all piss everybody off <laughs> playoff scenario. I was like, how can I get the most fan base? I got the Falcons into the playoffs. I got the Bills out. I had the the cowboy. I had the Cowboys losing the, the division to the Eagles. Just the absolute worst vibes. Like everyone's unhappy with where their teams are at. That's what I went for. You went for juice.
1: Listen, I'm always uh, a ray of sunshine. I think listeners know always that from been. listening to the show the last two years. So here's the exercise. I went through, and like I said, we have 11 teams that could be in or out depending on the outcomes. Of week 18. So, I am giving you the seedings, the pairings, the playoff matchups that will provide the maximum entertainment value when I'm sitting in this chair to my right on wild card weekend. Oh, I love a wild card. I love a divisional round weekend. I love a wild card r- r- round weekend. When I'm sitting there, I want to be entertained. You know, you're an Eagles fan. Uh, I'm a con- I'm team content here. So, this is like the team content uh, matchups here. So, I'm bumping the teams that I find a little bit boring where I, I don't necessarily need to see them in a playoff game and I'm looking for the fun teams and the fun matchups. This was actually harder than I expected. So I want yeah. more feedback on whether I got this right or whether I got this wrong. I'm starting with the NFC. NFC was a little bit easier. It was definitely easier than the AFC. So NFC, it's going to work itself out, I think, hopefully. I've got the Green Bay... Well, it might. no, it's not going to work itself out. You know we're going to get surprises and none of this is going to happen, but here's what I've got. The number seven Green Bay Packers. He's got the cheese head on the team of extra, extra, point, extra taken. point taken. They're one win away. Plus we money, still baby. got a shot. We still got a shot going to Dallas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. You got Mike McCarthy versus the guy who replaced him. You got Dak Prescott. You got Jordan Love. Well, I'm just like pretty close to predicting he's going to win the MVP next year. We'll save that for an off season. But uh, you got the possibility of Dak Prescott going like 27 for 27 against Joe Barry's defense. I mean, a lot of things in play here. What I like is you got quarterbacks. You got coaches, you got, I think, two good teams. You have a chance for some fireworks, some high scoring, uh, a high scoring game. And so that's my seven at two Packers at Cowboys. That 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 one's got some juice. Six at three is the easiest one. Mike McCarthy, Revenge, that's got tons of juice, man. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. Uh next one's great. Next one's easy. I mean, everyone wants this. Los Angeles Rams. At Detroit Lions, Jared Goff saying, you got rid of me, McVay. Well, now I'm stealing your soul and I'm going to the divisional round. You threw me under the bus and now look how I'm playing with another offensive coordinator. It wasn't all you. So you got Goff versus McVay. You got Stafford returning to Detroit, which we talked about on a previous show. You got two explosive offenses. I mean, this would be the marquee, one of the marquee matchups of wildcard weekend if we get Rams at Lions. So uh, just to be clear, Packers are not in. Uh, Rams have clinched a spot although we don't know if they're going to be the six or the seven seed now this was the hardest one this is the one where I need your help here 5 at 4 I've got the Eagles and I just went chalk and went to Tampa you know 2021 Mm -hmm. Eagles go to Tampa Jalen Hurts doesn't play well they go into that offseason exploring a Russell Wilson trade. Shh, they don't want you to know about that. Uh, exploring Deshaun Watson trade. Shh, no, no, no. Alan no, they Robinson, all we're going to go sign to be Alan good. Robinson. Yeah, no, that no, no, 2020 offseason no. was really
0: a disaster <laughs> for the Eagles, dude. They just
1: escaped scot-free. Nope, they knew all this. They knew A.J. Brown was going to be available. They knew Alan Robinson was going to stink. Uh, they didn't want Watson. They didn't want Wilson. They knew Hurts was the guy. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's not how it played out. So you have that game from 2021. That would be sort of intriguing now that since then the Eagles go to a Super Bowl and then this year it looks like they're falling apart. Do they go to Tampa? Do they lose that game? And all of a sudden it's like, what is the state of this team? What is the state of this franchise? And is Baker Mayfield playing in a divisional round game. So let's start there, and then I'll get to the AFC. What do you think of those NFC pairings? Do you have any notes? Would you rather have the Saints? or I know you would rather the Falcons uh, get in because you picked the Falcons, but you, you're you no, done I with that. No, I not want the Falcons okay. in. Absolutely not. I've forsworn them. I don't know the team. I don't know Yeah, them. You, you don't know them. So that's the big one. Should they, would the Eagles go to New Orleans or Atlanta? Would that be more fun? And then would you rather have the Seahawks? I can't imagine you'd rather have the Vikings. But would you rather, the Seahawks and the Vikings are the other teams I have to say sorry to. You're not getting in, in my scenario. What do you think?
0: I think Packers are definitely the most juiced up of, the, of the, the three. Right now, Packers, according to the New York Times predictor, 68% chance to make the playoffs. They'd be doing it so as the wild card. 21% chance for the Seahawks, 3% chance for the Vikings. Of those three, I think the Packers are definitely the most preferable. There's also some worlds where we're two teams to make it out of the NFC South. I'm hoping we don't get that. Bucks and Saints would be just an absolute drag no, everything. No, please um, no. Between the Bucks and the Saints, I, the one that I think has the most pizzazz is the Bucks because I think People are into the Baker Mayfield uh, 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 resurgence, which, again, I've I've written about it. I've said on podcasts, he's only good when you don't believe in him. Once you start being like, Baker's pretty good, immediately bad. He's the, you know how like Tinkerbell can only fly if you believe in fairies. He's the opposite of Tinkerbell. Okay. When you're like, he's got it. He doesn't have it. When you're like, yo, Baker's bad. That's when he's good. So everybody's got to stop talking about the fact that Baker's playing better so he can play better. If you're with me, well, he would be so a dog think,
1: in that game, right? Uh, yeah, the Eagles would be favored in that game at Tampa. I think.
0: I think so. Given the yeah. way betting markets are still treating the Eagles, I mean, I I'm doing the Eagles defense for the play sheet this week. Holy smokes, dude! It's <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, I so I I I, uh, I don't know who I'd be picking in that game personally. Uh, so I think yeah, the Bucks have the most juice there. I think NFC wise, you, you you nailed it.
1: Okay, there you go. All right, so we got the NFC right now. AFC. I mean, this is this is tough. All right, so here's what I've yeah, got. Yeah, this is really this is the hard one in the AFC. I've got the number seven. I can't believe I'm saying it because I've been ripping this team all season long. Jacksonville Jaguars going to Miami. Miami wins this weekend. Wins the AFC East. Jaguars go to Miami to face the Dolphins. Uh, this is a tough one. Maybe you tell me the Steelers would be better. I was thinking, you know what? Trevor Lawrence, maybe they have some magic. Uh, you got Trevor Lawrence, you got that Dolphins offense. There's still some fun uh, to be had with that game. So I've got seven versus two there. I want to give you all of them because like, they're all connected here. That, that's why I chose them the way I did. Number six, Buffalo Bills at Kansas City Chiefs in yeah. the first round. I had I just started with that and then worked off at, worked everything else off of that because anytime we can get Mahomes versus Allen in the playoffs, I want yeah. to see that. I don't care if the teams are flawed, which they are, which makes this actually more intriguing. These are not two juggernauts. These are two very flawed teams, but these are two quarterbacks who are capable of anything. You've got the history. You've got the 13 seconds. You've got the Kadarius-Tony call from earlier this season. Anytime I can get Mahomes versus Allen, I want it. And so in this scenario, the Bills would lose in week 18, but they still get in with either a Steelers or a Jaguars loss. So you get Bills at Chiefs in the first round. I mean, that is an all-time first round matchup. And then finally, I've got Cleveland Browns number five at the Houston Texans number four. This is another tough one. Tough spot for Houston, but man, CJ Stroud is so good. Let's see what it looks like him making high degree of difficulty throws all day long. Maybe they get blown out. I don't know. They played a few, you know, a couple weeks ago. CJ yeah. Stroud didn't play in that game, uh, so I, I've got the Texans. I've got two AFC South teams getting in: Jaguars as the seven, Texans winning the division. Sorry to the oh, Colts. Oh,
0: Jaguars sneaking in. Sorry yeah.
1: to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I left out. All right, what do you think?
0: I agree with Texans, uh, uh, Browns for sure. I think that my my ideal four seed winner is the Texans. I think that team has the most juice. And like you said, particularly for the Browns game, uh, that was the second game of Keenum. He very clearly was not really capable of executing the offense and the Browns just kind of beat him up uh, up, uh, up front. The, uh, the, the, Texans were also missing pieces of their pass rush in that game. Uh, Grenard was out and Will Anderson was out, and so they couldn't heat up Flacco the way they wanted to. They'd be a lot healthier of a team in the rematch. And structurally, that sort of defense, single high cover one, cover three, which they rotate a bit, they do. But generally, structurally, that defense is the sort of defense that like Stroud and Bobby Slowick can just shred the pieces because the dig's going to be open the, and it's going to be open every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Like that's the sort of game where, where I would very seriously consider like there's gonna be actually a lot of points in this game despite the fact that the Browns defense is so good I would love to see Stroud play that unit so that that's what I'm hoping for Bill's Chiefs great good good Jerry rigging well done got to shoehorn that one in there I forgot that Kadarius Tony was against the Bills dude that's I that play has like been already eliminated from my mental uh, (laughs) accounting like five 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 crazy plays ago um and then seven seed Jags would Uh, you rather have
1: the Steelers
0: I rather have the Steelers for the the consternation of it all, right? Like for the 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 Mason Rudolphs in a playoff game. That's funny to me. I'm going to talk about the Steelers <laughs> a little bit later, uh, and so I, w- I won't get my hand on the Steelers too much. But seven seed is 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 tricky. I think that okay. I want the Texans to make it for sure. I want the Bills to make it for sure, and then the seven seed in the AFC. I'm kind of just like ah, you don't care. Give it to somebody who I'll, I'll laugh at while they play
1: okay yeah you know you do need that what is it the Saturday afternoon you do need something you know weird in that uh, the Nickelodeon game Yeah. get Mason Rudolph on that John in that time slot so there you go that is the uh, Kapadia all juice playoff match that's not how it's going to play out we'll get you know Friday show we'll get to our picks and everything weird stuff will happen but if I could choose right now who gets in who gets out that's who I would have all right let's take a break we'll come back we will get to Solak's second take
0: The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Week 18, early lines, two bets that I like. Texans money line, plus 100. They're facing the Colts on Saturday. Winner might make the division. CJ Stroud is back. I like the Texans to win that game and then Bears-Packers on Sunday. Bears have been playing really good ball. Packers need to win in an and Bears would love to play the spoiler. I like the Bears plus three against the Packers. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like same-game parlays, and make them live. Finding bets in the new Explore tab, making a parlay in the Parlay Hub the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit Vandal.com slash Ringer NFL and make your first bet a lamp. Vandal, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame moneyline wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. All right, we are back on extra point taken. So, like, what do you got? What's your second take?
0: Uh, Really upcoming, important offseason. Playoffs or not. For the Seattle Seahawks. Specifically Mm. on defense. Uh, Seattle is at a weird team-building stage. Which I think you're always at a weird team building stage when you go to trade away your franchise quarterback and then you're kind of like, "Oh, I wonder if this guy on our roster as the backup can actually be good." And then he's good enough to start and you're like, "Let's give him an extension." You're kind of always just like, like that's not you kind of in your mental accounting, you didn't plan for things to go that way. And I think you saw that in the Seahawks behavior where they like they gave Geno the extension, DK's on the extension. Okay, let's uh let's trade, let's go uh trade for Leonard Williams in the middle of the season. Let's go sign Draymond Jones, right? I think they they were like, all right, let's do like a real quick one-year reload, fill some of the gaps that we have on defense, fill some of the gaps we have on offense, and go. And this year, just defensively, they could not hack it, right? The early start of the season, I remember coming on this pod and being like, Seahawks defense, man, very high in success rate. They're very first in success rate we through week five. I remember being on this pod being like, I don't know how this is happening, but it is. It turns out it wasn't happening. It was not real. Uh, they're gonna add, they're right now on the season twenty second overall in success in, in success rate. They're twenty fifth defensively since the Leonard Williams trade. Right? They kind of like they made the Leonard Williams trade in week nine, being like, "Hey, we've been pretty good, but we're starting to struggle a little bit. And like, let we'll plug Leonard Williams in, and and it'll solve the problem. And it just didn't at all." Uh, they're 29th overall in the season by EPA per drive by serious conversion rate, which I referenced earlier. Again, how many of your opponents' first and tens become either new first and tens or touchdowns? Uh, they are 30th. This is a bad defense. This is a seller-dwelling defense on the season. And that's a frustrating thing, given the resources that have been put into it, right? Uh, they are veteran contract extension players at safety with Quandre Diggs and with Jamal Adams, who they traded multiple first-round picks for. All along the defensive line, they are established players in Jerron Reed, who they went out and signed. Draymond Jones, who they went out and signed for agency. Leonard Williams, who they made the trade for. They went and got Bobby Wagner this offseason, right? They've also like drafted and done well drafting at corner, where they have three rookie contract players in Wollen, Devon Witherspoon and Trey Brown is been playing outside for them, all of whom can perform, right? They went and got Julian Love in free agency this year. Like they poured resources into this defense and this defense is not playing well. Critically, what ha- what like one of the, th- the really important things that happened in Seattle that I think was overshadowed in the Russell Wilson exchange was that the Seahawks made a uh identity shift defensively in their time under Pete Carroll. We knew the Seahawks to be a, a Cover three, single high defense, right? Legion of Boom era defense. Okay, we got Dan Quinn, we got Gus Bradley. This is how we run things. And they kept that defense all through the 2010s, uh, up until 2021. Ken Norton Jr., who was a, a member of that cadre of coaches using the linebackers coach from the Legion of Boom, he was their defensive coordinator. After the 21 season, Pete moved on, Ken Norton Jr. He promoted Clint Hurt, who was their defensive line coach. And he brought in Sean Desai, who's now the defensive coordinator, but also not really the defensive coordinator, of the Philadelphia Eagles. Both of these guys are of, of Fangio backgrounds. Pete wanted to get on the wave, as many defenses have tried over the last couple of years, of a of more Fangio-inspired system, of a more too-high system. right? I think in the late 2010s and the early 2020s, we saw a big zig in that direction from a lot of defenses. And for a lot of those defenses, it did not work and the the Seahawks are one of them, right? They tried to load up on the necessary talent. They tried to make the necessary investments. Okay, we're going to spend big at safety. You need good safeties. Okay, we need a good linebacker. We're going to get Jordan Brooks in the first round. Okay, you need versatile defensive linemen. We're going to have Draymond Jones and Leonard Williams. And it just it has not coalesced for them over 2 years with Clint Hurt running that defense. Uh, this is meaningful because Seattle is pretty cap committed. Offensively, to the unit that they've got right, they're right now going. They're going to be 23rd in cap space next season. They're pretty much like flirting with being over the 2024 cap as it is. You're about to get big cap hits for uh, Gino, who's about to jump from 10 million to 31 million. DK is going to jump from 13 to 24. Lockett's going to jump from 11 to 26.8, which I've been watching some Tyler Lockett recently. I'm not sure I want to pay Tyler Lockett 26.8 20, million dollars. They are pretty committed to the, the the version of the offense that they have and, and who the stars are there defensively. Leonard Williams, who they traded for is upcoming free agency. Bobby Wagner is going to be a free agent. Jordan Brooks is going to be a free agent. You have Vichonin Nuwosu coming off of injury. You have uh, 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 Jamal Adams, who he's gone from 11.5 to 26.9. They're, they're benching this cat early in the season. I don't see how you possibly play pay Jamal Adams that money to not play him, which is what they were do, doing this season. They are at a huge crossroads defensively. And Pete Carroll's background is a defensive coach. That's where he's supposed to bring value in terms of the schematics of, 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 of the organization. He obviously brings a lot of value to a lot of other places, but that's where he's supposed to bring the most value. So I think that you might see a defense coordinator change in Seattle, and I think it would be justified. I like Clint Hurd a lot, but I, 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 the proof of the puddings in the Eaton over the last two years, they put resources into this. This is not working. And I think you could see them swing back in the way, like, think about the way the Browns swing, swung back, and they're like, we have Joe Woods, too high, Fangio, and it was just horrible. And then they were like, what if we brought Jim Schwartz in here and we just let Miles Garrett cook? I think you you look at the Seattle defensive roster, you say, Rek Wolin, Devon Witherspoon, Trey Brown, like uh, Julian Love's good, Quandary Diggs is good. Our secondary is like, we have the secondary. Let's go back to what we were doing, which is when we had a great secondary, and we just let them eat. We just put them on the line of scrimmage, and we, we, we asked them to win games for us. And we stopped trying to solve problems in other places with lesser players. So I think you might see a defensive coordinator change in Seattle, and I think you might see a swing back to that old defensive philosophy. And I think that's really important because Pete's been there for a long time, And you got to, you know, he's a great coach. He's got, it's the same conversation we've had with Tomlin, same conversation we had with Belichick last year coming into this year. You're there for a long time, but the NFL is, what have you done for me lately, lately league? And for Pete, it's all right. Those Niners keep winning the division, brother. Those Niners keep making runs, brother. In the division, you are getting big boy. You're getting your second place. You have to show that you can push to that. So this, I think, is an important season upcoming for the Seahawks cap wise, especially on the defensive side of the ball. A little bit of heat on Pete Carroll to get this one right.
1: It hasn't just been one year, you know, to be clear. This has been like five straight years where they've had a mediocre or below average defense. And so for the first, you know, what, three years of that, we talked kind of the opposite. Of what you're saying. It was, oh, you know what? They're the only team still sticking with this old, just line up and play uh, and play your one high and teams are too good for that. And the league has passed them by. They got to change. And then what happened? I remember I was at the combine asking Pete Carroll about this, I think before uh, 2022. And he spoke in a way I had never heard him speak before where he said, I think we've been a little bit arrogant in how we play defense. And I was like, whoa. I've never heard you say anything great line, uh, wow. remotely uh, remotely close to that. And so he was basically saying what you're saying. That, no, we need to evolve. We need to do things differently. We need to disguise more. Uh, we need to look at how offenses are attacking us. And so they tried to do that. Like, I can't really fault them for the process. He tried to evolve And it didn't work. To your point, it's not as simple as just saying, "Hey, you know, so so and so coach with Vic Fangio, and they're going to be able to implement this." Like we see that over and over again in the NFL, teams try to do that on offense and defense, and it doesn't work. And so uh, I don't know, like, what their answer is now. Like you mentioned, they're not they're not going to have a massive personnel upgrade. I mean, they've got good some good young players, but like Reek Woolen has not been the same player he was previously. He's been in and out of the lineup. They benched him a little bit. Uh, In there, Witherspoon looks like a great. Pick if he can stay on the field. So they've got some players up front. Draymond Jones has not, you know, given them kind of the bang for the buck uh they were expecting there. They they give draft picks like you mentioned for Leonard Williams. He's not going to be there, so they've got issues at linebacker. I don't think their pass rush is great. It's you know they've got some players. It's not great. They've got some players in the secondary. So I just don't know what their path is. You're right. Yeah, it's easy to say. You know, if you can go get a Jim Schwartz type defensive coordinator who makes a huge difference. I like to me. It's a little different because Stefanski, like he's an offensive head coach, and so he's handing the keys to the defense to the coordinator and saying, "Go ahead and do that." Like Pete Carroll, I mean, this is going to be he's going to dictate how both the offense and the defense play, but but specifically the defense. I mean, this has been a great, was a great defensive coach. Like one of the all-time resumes, if you look at that run uh, for the Legion of Boom. But it's hard. It's hard to figure it out uh, later. So I don't know exactly what they do. I'm with you. That has been the biggest issue with the Seahawks. Like you can talk me into them having a top eight offense next year. The offense has been a little up and down this year, but I don't think it's been the problem. Some people think. I think the defense has been a massive problem. I mean, to go out against Mason Rudolph and that Steelers offense and give up over 400 yards and to not be able to get stops and to see this over and over and over again with this defense, that's really tough to swallow. So uh, I think Carroll will look at it and he'll ultimately be the guy who makes the decision. Is this coaching? Is this scheme? Is this personnel? How are we going to try to figure this out? Um, And while I have, I give him the benefit of the doubt in a lot of areas. I don't know that this is one where I still give him the benefit of the doubt because it's been five years uh, or so and he still hasn't been able to figure it out.
0: Yeah, and the 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 duration is important. I think always the personnel changes are meaningful. Like a lot of times when it's like, oh, this guy hasn't figured it out in years, you can go and look at personnel and pick. Like, all right, well, they've just missed. Like when you when you do two two first round picks for Jamal Adams and you get the health and quality of play that you got from Jamal, it's like okay, like it, you you just burned so many resources on a miss that it's hard to scrape it together. Otherwise, it's still the expectation, right? Like you said about Big Fangio, what the money is for, but it, it's it's challenging. The I, I do have a little worm in the back of my head that says if Hachenna Nuosu didn't get hurt, we wouldn't be having this conversation at all. Because their edge play is really, to me, the thing that has been the most damaging. They're, they're, they they line up and play like a team that has edge rushers who can like smack dudes around and defend the run. Like think about like like Browns like Miles Garrett, Darius Smith. Everybody thinks about the pass rush. Those are big dudes, right? Think about like the Jets like with like Michael Clemens out there, right? Like the, when you want to play. With the, some of this light box nonsense, your edge rushers need to be sons of guns against the run. They need to be big and mean. And Nwosu's not even big; he's just mean. Other than that, it's like Boye, Mafe, and Daryl Taylor. It's just guys are just not like they're built to, for speed. So I, a, lot, a lot, of this, a lot of this, I, I kind of watch and I'm like, okay, Nwosu's amazing. If Nwosu was out there, they'd be totally fine. We wouldn't be having this conversation. But if your defense hinges on a Geno Nwosu, you got problems, right? Uh, and so, I, I, I think they missed with. The big splashes that they've made, I think that 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 spending the money on Jamal, Draymond, and Leonard Williams, the money in the picks, I should say, was the mistake. I think they need to get stronger at edge rusher. Which, like, I understand there's there's wisdom in zagging where everybody zigs, but there's a reason why edge rusher is the premium position that it is. They got to get. I think if they're better there, it can just hide a lot more issues for them, especially in the passing game, where like they'll have good coverage, but they just can't sustain for that that long. And then and pass rush isn't getting home. So I think they misallocated resources. I think this is a little bit more of a John Schneider failure. Defensively than it is than it's being reported as relative to Pete Carroll, but at the same time, when Pete and John have been together for this long, John ain't doing anything without Pete's sign off, right? right? So it's 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 hand in hand.
1: They need a win and a Packers loss to get into the playoffs. Seahawks have the Cardinals in Week 18. Maybe they sneak in again, and we say, "All right, they're they're back in there." I tell
0: you, man, Bears Bears Packers. Like I know, okay, Bills Dolphins Texans Colts Bears Packers. Uh, it might be game of the week for me. I this Bears team. Uh, I don't know. Dude, if I'm I if anybody asks me explicitly in the offseason that would I hire or retain Matt Eberflus? I'm gonna the way I'm gonna weasel out of that question and not give a straight answer, unbelievable. I really don't know. I'm 50-50 on it. They're playing well down the stretch.
1: Seventh in weighted DVOA, the Chicago Bears. Seventh. again, that takes into account recent performances. Uh man, they have just been a competitive, good, legitimately good team for like two months now uh so yeah that that is so that is a tricky tricky game which i'm sure we'll talk about more on the friday show all right my second take and i know you agree with this one because you had something similar in your column this week but i I actually feel like it deserves its own segment i don't know that i've mentioned this team in a take in like the last uh two years here so here you go the washington commanders commanders yeah hundred percent huge winners. In week 17, okay? And this, uh, and this leads to a larger discussion, but the, the basic gist of it is Cardinals win, commanders lose. Commanders now have the number two pick in the NFL draft. So like you and I have spent hours upon hours upon hours in the last two years talking about rebuilding and how can a team set itself up for success and what do you need to do from uh, coaching and GM and uh, ownership and draft resources and all this stuff. I don't remember a team having the clean slate that the commanders Mm -hmm. are going to have this all like, this is what you dream of for a rebuild. Okay. Now they've had to suffer through the Daniel Snyder era to get there. So maybe that's part of it. You suffer through that for a long time and now you get a clean slate here, but here's what they're working with. Okay. Number one, new owner. I don't know if Josh Harris is going to be a good owner or not. He's going to be better than Daniel Snyder. I'm a 76ers Anybody.
0: fan. He's not going to be good, yeah, but he'll okay. be good enough.
1: There you go. He's got to be better than Daniel Snyder. That's number one. Number two, draft capital. They've got three picks in the top 50, five picks in the top 100. Uh, they got that second rounder in the Montez Sweat trade, which you know we can have a conversation about whether they should have done that or just extend him, but whatever. They got a second rounder there, so they get a high second round pick in that trade. They've got draft capital to work with. Number three, maybe the most important, they have such an easy path towards a quarterback all of a sudden. Now, this is unless something crazy happens in week 18. I'm not telling you it's a guarantee. Caleb Williams or Drake, man, they're, oh, they're going to come in and they're going to be the next CJ Stroud and they're going to take the league by storm. Obviously, you don't know. It's a risk. It's probably what? it Like 40% at this point. At the same time, you just want a shot at it and you want a shot at it where you don't have to give up like three first round picks to go and get it. This is a nice situation. You have the number two pick. Whoever goes, Caleb Williams or Drake May, you take the other guy, you build around him and you hope for the best and you hope that you you hit with the pick and that that guy can develop. So you got quarterback, you got owner, you got draft capital. And then number four, you have a chance to align the head coach and the GM In a great way where it's not messy, where you're not saying, oh, well, we're gonna hire a coach, but we have this GM. Or you're saying, oh, we're gonna, uh, you know, we're gonna hire a GM, but we're keeping the coach. Now, you don't have to do any of that. Fresh start. I'm sure the people, you know, Ron Rivera, they're fine people, but it's obviously time to clean house. So here's what you do you do my ideal setup. You tell the coach and the GM, you two are in this together. You will either succeed together or you will fail together. If there comes a point where I'm firing someone, I'm firing both of you, so you don't need to go pointing fingers and say, we're going to have a very defined structure who has final say on the 53-man roster, who has final say on all personnel decisions, who has final say on all draft picks. We will have that outlined here in the beginning. You will know where you stand. I expect you to work together and make it work. You have all these things, first time probably since the early 90s that this franchise is set up to build something and to sustain success. Again, I'm not saying it's going to work. Like I I just laid it out. You could mess up the GM. You could mess up the coach. The quarterback could stake. There are all sorts of ways this could go wrong. That's why it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I know it's not easy, but this is the type of like a blank slate that you dream of when you are a franchise trying to rebuild. So this is very rare in the NFL where you don't have anything that's messy. You can start over. The roster is not like Good, but it's not a disaster. You have receiver talent, you have defensive tackle talent, and you have draft capital to add in other areas of the roster. So uh, this might be the first time I've said something nice about the Washington Commanders in extra point-taking history, but I think they were big winners in Week 17 because there's going to be a huge difference between the third Mm -hmm. pick and the second pick, and now they're positioned to make that quarterback decision so easily.
0: Yeah. So something I didn't know when I wrote in the column, which was shared with me, I forget who shared with me, I was trying to find, I apologize if you're you're listening. The commanders have the second overall pick. If they There's a world in which they lose it because the Patriots, if they lose to the, the Patriots and the the commanders are tied right now.
1: Oh, the strength of victory.
0: If they both lose, the strength of schedule actually flip and the Patriots will get the second overall pick, right? Which is... Bananas that it comes down to just that. I take it, it
1: all back. <laughs>
0: right now, <laughs> Seth Walter of ESPN Analytics. Chances turn number two overall pick. This was shared on 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 New Year, so it was on on Monday. Commanders sixty nine percent. Patriots twenty three percent. Right, their models. The Commanders are extremely likely to lose to the Cowboys. They are multiple touchdown dogs. The Patriots might beat the Jets. Right, that's the thing. It's like it. The Patriots need to lose to the Jets. The Patriots have been playing decently good ball. The Jets have, are the Jets. Like there's, a, It's not like, oh, well, the Patriots are definitely losing to the Jets, and the Commanders are definitely losing to the Commanders, and this is going to flip. It's that there's a chance that it does if the Patriots lose, but the Patriots can also win a lot of the games that they play against the Jets. And so the Commanders are still projected 7 out of 10 universes to get the second overall pick, according to ESPN Analytics. So that's the good news. That's still, overall, great win by losing for the Commanders last week. And they're expected to have the second overall pick, but this they, still has to. The hay is not in the barn. This still okay. must be watched uh, over over week eighteen. So good, good narrative for the uh, the seller watchers, right? Uh, I'm not interested in playoff seeding. I'm interested in draft draft order. Dial you saw into Patriots Jets, and how Bill Belichick would it be, Shield, on the way out against the New York Jets, just <laughs> kick kick that pick from two to three for the next guy. Oh, you wanted a Drake May? You'll take your Marvin Harrison. You'll like it. Uh that's, that's a big, big, big moment there. Commanders-Patriots uh, with that with that pick. What I will say on the Commanders, I think you said it very well. Uh, it's not that they're in a good spot. It's that every time they've been in a good spot in the last 20 years, it hasn't actually felt like a good spot because Dan Snyder owned the team, right? Like even when it was like, all right, they, they have a clean slate. Like maybe they can get better. You just remember that the owner was so bad and was such a drain on the team from an A- behavior perspective and a criminal behavior perspective, an off-field perspective, and then also was just bad at managing the football ops of it all, that it never felt like the commanders were actually going to come around the corner. Well, now, just with new ownership, it's, a, it's mouthwash. Everybody feels a lot better. Fresh start. Matt Johnson's tweeting about us. Here we go. Uh, that is an encouraging thing if you're a commanders fan. And then the resources, especially if you have that second overall pick, are enough that you can one year not turn around this thing but you and I might be coming on this pod at the end of twenty twenty four or the twenty twenty four season and be like, "Hey, commanders, like, they got it right. Like they they clearly have a quarterback. They have a coach that makes sense. Build a roster now, and you can be a legitimate team." And so they, there's a, a lot sunnier of optimism, I think, it, right now than than there uh, than there was previously with Washington, just because the owner change alone. If they get a the second overall pick, huge, huge, huge boost.
1: Yeah, it's the strength of schedule tiebreak, so that could go one yes. way or the other there in week 18. So listen, uh, bad job by me. Listen, it's week 18. Uh we're coming off the I, j- I had no uh, idea when I wrote it. All right. And, and I'm and, glad and, you noticed and, yeah. that. Otherwise,
0: yeah, here's that the thing. would be Who's 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 I, I like a tagathon, <laughs> tagathon tells me. I I'm like right, they, they each play one game. There's no way strength the schedule is so close that it would flip and it
1: actually would. What a great storyline for week 18 there. All right. Let's take one more break. We'll get to our final takes and the extra point take. <laughs>
2: Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. All
1: right. We are back on Extra
0: Point Taken. Solak, what do you got? Kirk Cousins is going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler in 2024.
1: Ooh, right? Right? Ooh. Yeah. yeah like we're not. Uh, are you following this Kenny Pickett thing? Well, what is the Kenny Pickett just that he's not playing and they're going with Mason Rudolph? Yeah. So,
0: firstly, Kenny Pickett's not playing, and they're going with Mason Rudolph. Right? That's that's established. Uh, they said on Monday, pretty much right after the Seahawks win, oh yeah, no, Mason's going to be the starter for us next week, which was kind of like, hey, last week you said you know Kenny could have maybe like if he's healthy enough, but we're just going to do Mason for one more week and then we'll see. And then after you you beat that Seahawks game, it's immediate. Mike Tomlin said, hey, you know we're gonna we're gonna start uh, 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 Mason Rudolph. Now, uh, Tomlin uh, was asked obviously about the quarterback situation, and he said. You know, um, he's uh, Pickett's, Pickett's a huge part of our team and we love Kenny Pickett and he's great. And he also said that Kenny Pickett was medically cleared to play last week, but it ended up a healthy scratch, right? He was not QB2, so having medically cleared. He was QB3, healthy scratch, emergency QB3. Uh, he said it was because of the, the distribution of practice snaps. Now, I don't know about you, but if, I, if I've seen the last two games that Mr. Trubisky started for me, I don't need my starting quarterback to take a single snap in practice to put him as QB2 above Mitchell Trubisky. To this point, Mark Madden is a, a Pittsburgh a sports radio guy for many years, uh, said on Twitter today uh, that he got told 100% Kenny Pickett refused to be the backup to Mason Rudolph. And that's why Pickett was QB3. And Mark Madden is, is Mark Madden, so okay, whatever. Uh, the Athletics' Mark uh, Caboli said the same thing on the morning show. He said, I'm very, very skeptical. Tw- I quote, very, very highly skeptical Skeptical. that it was 100% Mike Tomlin's decision that Kenny Pickett did not dress yesterday, right? Now, Madden also said, I know the Steelers beat writers know this and they won't write it. And Kaboli was like, well, if I had it 100%, I would write it. I don't have it 100%, so I'm not writing it. But this is my understanding of things. So it seems, vibe-wise, like Kenny Pickett was like, I'm healthy enough to play. And Mike Tomlin was like, no, we're playing Mason Rudolph for another week. And Peg was like, fine, I'm not dressing then. And then Rudolph put 30 on the Seahawks, you know, five completions of over 20 yards. It's played great by Mason Rudolph standards. And now, and so Mike just came out Monday's again, we're starting Mason next week. <laughs> the Seahawks might make the playoffs on QB3 with QB1 healthy, refusing to dress after firing Matt Canada. This... Is such a mess. This offense should be so bad. George Pickens like wasn't blocking for Jalen Warren. This offense should be a disaster, and, the, and it kind of is. But the fact that they're still here at eight and seven, and have a ch- or nine and seven, excuse me, and have a chance to make the playoffs is absurd. So all of this is like I gotta make the playoffs, don't make the playoffs. Mason Rudolph plays well, doesn't play well. I'm I am very confident that this team is not is going to look at a lot of options besides Kenny Pickett next year. And I'm also very confident that Mason Rudolph could win the Super Bowl. And I think they would still look at other QB options <laughs> than Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph. You cannot, you cannot, listen to me. You cannot let a Mason Rudolph playoff run lead you to believe anything about Mason Rudolph as a future starter. That is disaster. That is That is, you can't touch it. That's horrible. So I think the CEOs are very clearly going to be looking at veterans next year, trades next year, and draft options next year. I think the performance of Penix last night is just like a good case in point that this is a decent class to have a late first rounder in. I think that you're going to see Drake and Caleb go. And then I think there's going to be more first round picks of quarterback. I would say probably two. I don't think they're going to be like top 10 guys necessarily. Maybe Jaden Daniels, but who knows?
1: I just got visions of, of Penix just throwing bombs to George Pickett. And I, I have to admit, I got a little excited there.
0: Uh, Cordell Stewart always had <laughs> Cordell Stewart always had the best aesthetic as a Steelers quarterback. And just thinking about Penix, just rocking that Steelers. You know, oh, it, it looks so Ooh. good. Regardless, the 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 quarter the Steelers are going to look at every option at quarterback. There's no question. I think that for short-term competitiveness and for certainty of a high-floor offense, which I think are the things that Pittsburgh is pursuing. Right? We want to be good now. Like you know, Tom and Wise. I want to win some games. I want to win some playoff games. And offensively, we don't need to be top 10. We just need to be not prohibitive to team success. And then defensively, we'll solve the rest of the problems. Running game will solve the rest of the problems. Like We're good in the in the other phases. I think Kirk is your best option, right? I would love to say Fields. I think Fields to Pittsburgh is also a great idea. But in general, Fields does not represent a high floor option. Fields represents a highly volatile option. Uh, Kirk obviously has some more volatility now coming off the Achilles tear. But in general, if Kirk wants to play, and if Kirk's available to be free agent coming off the Vikings, I think that, that Kirk, on a, on a moderate contract, the team he makes the most sense for is the Steelers, and he's also the quarterback that makes the most sense for the Steelers. Um, so I like Kirk Cousins. I, I, a month ago, I was on the Justin Fields train. The more I think about it, the more I think Kirk Cousins is your starting quarterback for the Steelers in 2024. Then you draft the guy, and first round, second round, whatever, and you, 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 you try to do what you did at the end of the Roethlisberger era, which is you dra- you take Mason Rudolph and see if you can develop him in time. Um, it's a stopgap solution but that's what happens when you always go over 500 you don't get to get the good solution because you don't get the big top 5 And uh, so I think Kirk is a, is a stealer in 2024 and I think any and all morsels of this Kenny Pickett drama please forward them to besolack at spotify.com
1: I mean yeah I this, I, I, I had not seen this uh, to be perfectly honest I'm looking here Kenny Pocket, Pickett I almost called him Kenny Pocket Kenny Pocket know, that's fun I don't know what if he's operating. I don't know if he's operating from the pocket. Maybe we, I don't know if someone's done that before, but it felt right saying it coming out of my mouth. Uh, Kenny Pickett was asked about it and said, whoever reported uh, that he wasn't, he was refusing to be the backup quarterback. Don't know where it started. Kind of crazy that people were right and put out there to try and prove their point or help their uh, stand. Point in their careers. Disappointed to see that. So, yeah. Mark,
0: Mark Madden really needed some help at this point in his career. Mark Madden's been doing this since uh, like listen, the 70s. <laughs> this is
1: just journalism. You got to present both sides. I don't know. Uh, I'm with you. They Listen, they got to do something. Oh, shoot. There's, this there- report
0: came out literally when we started the pod. I was like, how did I miss this? It came out 42 minutes ago. Oh, it did? Ago.
1: Okay. Yeah, 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 I just yeah. <laughs> <it. All right. laughs> <It's probably> good. <laughs> uh Steelers are seventh in defensive DVOA, which like that kind of surprised. I, I, I watching them, I didn't think they were playing that well, but that's pretty uh, pretty impressive there. They've got some some pieces on offense, which we've talked about earlier this season. I mean, you got the run game. Uh, you've got wide receivers. Offensive line has improved from last year. You can still pour some resources there. And your floor is already going to be high with Mike Tomlin, as we've learned over the last 17 freaking years. I know Steelers fans are tired of hearing it. And I'm sure if I was Steelers media, I'd be tired of hearing it. But oh my goodness, 17 straight years. Without a losing record. So they got to do something. Uh, And yeah, I'm thinking about Kirk. Kirk Cousins in there. I mean, that's a really good team. Kirk Cousins. uh, Now you got to get the offensive coordinator right. But yes, they got to do coordinator, quarterback, figure it out uh, this offseason. And then it could be a really good team going into next year. So uh, I'm getting
0: Kirk in the building as a free agent. I'm saying Kirk. I'm showing him the Vikings offensive coaching staff headshots on their team webpage. And I'm like, I cover Kevin O'Connell's face, and I'm like, who is your favorite one? And he's like, West Phillips. And like, all right, and then you hire West Phillips to be OC. That's how. I, that's how I'm just plug and chug for that Viking staff.
1: There you go. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend need a Bills or a Jaguars loss, and of course, uh, a win against the Baltimore Ravens and they will get into the postseason. Not crazy. A win against the Ravens and either a Steelers Mm -hmm. uh, or either a Bills or a Jaguars loss and they can still get in.
0: Yeah. Ravens backups in that game. And as everyone has pointed out this week, and I'd be remiss if I didn't join them. Ravens backups played the Steelers in a week 18 game like four years ago and Robert Griffin III beat the Steelers. And so make sure you beat the backups first and then see what happens with the rest of the games.
1: There you go. All right. Uh, My third take here. Solak, David Tepper is becoming dangerously close to becoming the new Daniel Snyder. There has to be one. It's like the Sith. Like he always, they rise yeah. up. Yeah, I want to be clear because this is in regards to how uh, he's giving his fan base no hope, and some of his behavior. This is, you know, Snyder did a bunch of sexual harassment allegations, workplace misconduct, all that heinous stuff. That does not apply. I just want to be clear before I get a call from David Tepper's representation that it's not what I'm talking about uh, here. But just in terms of being a complete disaster and an embarrassment as an NFL owner, Tepper keeps adding to his resume. So if you haven't seen it by now, there's a video of Tepper appearing to throw a drink at a fan in Jacksonville from his box. Uh, Per the Athletic Show person, Panthers have declined comment. NFL have declined comment. Tepper bought the Panthers in 2018. During six seasons, they are 31 and 67. Only the New York Jets have fewer wins than the Panthers during David Tepper's tenure. They have no playoff appearances. They had six different head coaches during that time. They have this botched practice facility in Rock Hill, South Carolina. So, I'm looking at them this off season and I know there are only two NFL head coaching jobs and I know money talks and it's not like no one's going to want to go there. But man, if you are a head coaching candidate with multiple options, why on earth would you want to go work for this guy who looks like a complete, ma- I mean, throwing a drink at a fan? Dude, you, you're worth $20.6 billion. What are you doing with your life? This is crazy. How are you doing that? So you're going to work with him. You're going to have this roster that stinks. I'm not giving up completely on Bryce Young, although I will admit that I, uh, yes, I have been completely underwhelmed by his rookie season. You have no first round pick. Uh, This is potentially a terrible, terrible situation. And I feel bad for Panthers fans because here's the thing about ownership. If it's a bad GM, there's always, you know what? It's a shelf life. They're going to be gone eventually. If it's a bad coach, it's okay, Urban Meyer, you're getting rid of him eventually. If it's a bad quarterback, listen, it'll run its course. Maybe it might be a couple of years, might be too long. You'll get rid of him eventually. With a bad owner, as Commanders fans will tell you, there is nothing you can do. You cannot move on from the train wreck owner. They own the team unless they do something so egregious that the leak makes them sell the team, which is not the case here. Uh, You're going to be stuck with them. And here you are stuck with an owner who has made bad move after bad move and looks completely unhinged just in his general behavior that you are not going to be able to get away from it. And I don't see an easy path forward. Specifically now, like I said, when you're looking at, who is going to want to go work for this guy. So uh, not totally there. Again, Daniel Snyder did all kinds of heinous stuff that David Tepper has not done. So I'm not putting him exactly in that category. But in terms of owner, whose fan base probably feels maybe the most hopeless going into this offseason because of him, uh, I'm putting David Tepper at the top of that list. I wish I had a prop here. Like I should have taken a cup and thrown it at my camera. Like I'm throwing right. it at you and seeing if you flinched or something. That would have been I, only, I
0: have a jug now.
1: I got so a I monster do jug. It, what? It, I was going to ask about it earlier. You yes. are hydrating. I'm the jug man
0: now. Uh, no, I, we had a bunch <laughs> of jugs of water because we had a pipe burst over Thanksgiving and then we had too many. And so I was just drinking water out of a jug and Riley McAtee, who's my editor and manager here. Shout out Riley. Incredible guy at the ringer. Uh, he finds the jug very funny. And so for Christmas, he got me an actual real jug. And said, so, yeah, now, now I'm a jug man. Now I just walk around with three <laughs> liters of water. I'm, I'm peeing every two hours, dude. I'm living life. It's incredible.
1: And you kind of hug it, I will say. You kind of hug behind, the jug. I got to support it, yeah. it's heavy. You're getting ready for to, a baby. Yeah, it is like a baby. It's, it's kind of the, the size of like, a baby.
0: I'll post a selfie with a jug for all listeners. you can find it. Um, Dave Tepper. E- yes, and. Like, everything you said, yes, and, yes, and, yes, and. The thing that, like, really, I think is the kicker to like Panthers fans—you're just going to be stuck with this forever. Not stuck with this forever, but you're really going to be stuck with it. He very clearly reads, listens, is online, and cares, and that's really bad. That's not Thank good you for at listening.
1: All.
0: Yes. Which, hi Dave, when you own a football team, forty percent of the people at minimum that consume your football team, either as fans or analysts, are going to hate what you're doing, like without fail, right? Like that's what it's to be a fan. So they just be like. Not enough, like, like you know, like Kyle Shanahan's got people who think he's not a good offensive coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, like everybody, like if you are listening and you let that in, and and you let that affect you, it's always going to be bad. Especially like like that's that's under the good circumstances when you trade it for the first overall pick drafted bryce young the reporting out there has it that your influence is one of the main reasons why bryce young ended up being the pick bryce looks the way he does right now stroud looks the way he does right now it turns out one of the future picks you traded is going to become the first overall pick in the next draft which might be something when you're in this bad of a situation if you are listening like think about the amount of times we've seen panthers brass over the course of the season like clarify something Right. There's just a lot of like reactive narratives to like, oh, well, this is being said. Actually, this isn't what happened. If you're just going to own a team, you can't care this much about what people are saying. And if you're going to own a team and be this bad at it <laughs> and have the team be this terrible, you really can't say. You're at the Jaguar stadium and they're the fans are, 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 you know, getting your goat a little bit because you're losing. Welcome to the league, baby. Kind of like, it's
1: at, so soft. I mean, you, it's so play, soft to not be able to deal You play nine road games that. a
0: year and you lose some of them, dude. The other fans aren't going to like you. You can't, you can't take it without chucking water at someone? Or probably not water, but still. That's like, like that. you, you cannot be letting stuff like that in. And so not only is Tepper going to be bad, he is going to be very publicly bad on his face, just collapsing and embarrassingly bad in front of everybody. And and just continue to care and do it. It's gonna be a spiral and it's gonna be dreadful. Keep pounding.
1: There you go. Keep pounding. All right. Hit us with your extra point, the final extra point taken of the regular season. What do you got? Isn't is the week 18 one?
0: That's also the regular,
1: isn't it? That, that we're yeah, okay, that's true. All right. Probably, I right? Up 17 of things during this podcast. If you think I'm gonna stop now, I'm not gonna stop now. All right, go ahead.
0: All right. Sheel, I have three 2020 five season Ooh. predictions for you. Wait,
1: 2025?
0: 20, yes. Oh. I did this a, okay. a few weeks ago. I said I had three predictions for you. One of them was Browns to win the North. And, you're, and, and, and it was like uh, Josh Allen to win MVP. It was something like Ashley came decently close. It was yeah. fun. It was a good time. I don't have odds for these because they're, they're way far in the future, but I wanted to make sure as we do wrap up the rest of the regular season, I acknowledge that the regular season is coming to an end. Uh, that we I want to get a couple takes on a couple of teams that we probably aren't going to discuss for a couple months. So I have three for you. I want you to pick the one that is most likely. Shield number okay. one. The Arizona Cardinals make the playoffs next season. Kyler Murray is going to remain the starting quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. I think he's played well enough. I think getting out of that deal is a headache. I think He hasn't been nearly bad enough, and you don't have a good enough draft pick to justify. Like, let's go through all the rigmarole of getting out of this contract that is not worth it. Just play him for another year. And I think he's been good. I I I like what I've seen from young players from them on the offensive side of the ball. I think that Paris Johnson is a top ten pick that really hasn't gotten talked about a lot. He looks tremendous, uh, and he he's looked quite good. I think over the course of the year, looked really good against the Eagles. You've seen Trey McBride. You've seen Michael Wilson. You've seen some of these young players have really nice moments for them offensively, defensively. Uh, they are not good at all, but they've also been banged up. And I think that in the, in the first half of the year, they were more successful when they had healthier players. Uh, 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 Kaiser White wasn't down. Lucky Fotu wasn't down. Uh, I think defensively, they have a lot to do, but I think that they know they have a lot to do that. They have tons of resources to handle that. And they were bright spots. Dante Stills, where he goes down with injury in this game. They've had bright spots on defense that I think deserve to be highlighted, even as overall the unit's not been that good. But in general, the Cardinals are going to approach next season as good quarterback, Good coordinator, Drew Petzing is the OC there who's impressed me over the course of the season and certainly was impressive in a win against the Eagles where they didn't punt or ever have a bad play once historically. And they have good young pieces on offense. They have, I think, tackles secured in Humphreys and Parrish Johnson. And I think they have enough pass-catching talent. Michael Wilson, Rondell Moore, Marquise Brown's probably not going to be back on this team, Trey McBride, where I like the Cardinals to be a dangerous offense next season. Obviously, the conference is tough, the division is tough, excuse me. But I do think the Cardinals have, a a stronger team in 2025 than people realize. That's take number one. Okay. Take number two. The Detroit Lions don't make the
1: playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing this already? I was going to wait to do this until at least their season was over. This has been kind of on my mind. Go ahead. Uh, Sorry, Lions fans. This is mean. This is very mean spirit. This is not the holiday season. The holiday season's over, I guess.
0: I am very worried about the Detroit Lions giving Jared Goff $50 million a year. I think it's going to happen, and I think it's not going to be good. Uh, If Ben Johnson leaves and this team retains Jared Goff, which I think is the most likely outcome right now, independent of what happens in the postseason, uh, ugh. I don't know if I like, like you said, you know, Goss got this big moment against McVeigh coming up. We're like, hey, look, I, I'm successful without you. Yeah, but Ben Johnson's pretty good. And I, I don't think that you can just easily replace uh, Ben Johnson. I think they're probably going to do it in-house. And they're going to try to keep the same system. But I think it's going to be kind of like Shane Steichen and a Brian Johnson. Like, okay, it's the same system, but this guy's a really good play caller. This guy's really good on Sundays, getting the right stuff dialed up, getting his quarterback's eyes right. And that doesn't just translate as easily when you just pass the the, the mic down to the next guy in line. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm worried about that offensively. Uh, defensively for Detroit, I, their big spending spree in terms of money and, and, and draft capital has kind of happened over the last couple of years. They don't have a, as much to show for as I think they'd like. They still have resources technically to uh, dedicate to that. But in order to like keep good money to go sign some big free agents, they have to backload the Goff deal. And I don't know if I like that for them either. Uh, the the, the Goff contract really looms over this team in terms of they, if they do it, they have to get it right structurally to make sure that they can still be flexible uh, as he gets older and as they move on from Ben Johnson. And if they don't do it, they have to really be ready to reload quick because they're a young upcoming team and they don't really have time to wait for like Hendon Hooker to see if he's going to be good two years from now. So Detroit, listen, the vibes are great. I, I hate to throw water on everything. But there is a crossroads here. There absolutely is, uh, and I think that whenever they get to it, whether it's a unfortunate first round exit or it's a Super Bowl win or anything in between, like I'm, um, I, I, this is the year for Detroit. You gotta make this year count if you're Detroit. The the pins are lined up. The Eagles are weak. The Cowboys are beatable. You know for a fact the Cowboys are beatable. You should have beat them last week. Uh, do it this year. Get it done. Make the run because I think it's a lot harder after this. So that's number two. Number three. The New York Jets have the first overall pick in the 2025 NFL Draft. Wow. Aaron Rodgers, coming back off of a uh, 40-year-old Achilles surgery, already sounds bad enough. Now, Shiel, he tried to... This is not like a regular Achilles. I think this is being... Like, we, 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 we missed this half of the narrative when we were talking about this, it's one thing to pop your Achilles when you're 40. It's another thing to pop your Achilles when you're 40 and try to achieve a five-month recovery timeline because, I, to me, that feels like it might invite some long-term risk for the health of the Achilles next year. I'm very worried about Rodgers coming. I, 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 okay, he's going to have the whole offseason to maybe continue the rehab, but they try to get him back quickly, and I, I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to understand how tendons work, but I my history from covering football is that it's usually better when the guy just says, I'm going to come back next year and they take the recovery slowly. That tends to be the better sign. Ask Cam Akers how the five-month recovery off the Achilles went, right? Like, he never had the explosiveness again. So, uh, I'm extremely worried about Rodgers playing well. They clearly don't have a quarterback plan behind Rodgers. Uh, Offensive line-wise, they're still without solutions, right? I mean, like, Mekhi Becton is is, is an issue for them right now. The interior is a problem for them. Dwayne Brown's going to get a year older. Like, they do not have solutions at tackle whatsoever uh robert sala and joe douglas uh, woody johnson gave a quote a couple weeks ago that implies that both of those guys are going to be good but when both of those guys are coaching for their jobs i think for the early part of the season you could see i think some aggressive spending and, and, and some aggressive all-in pushing that if it doesn't work and i'm worried it won't because rogers won't be capable of playing at the level they need him to you could see this team really enter blow-up mode and i think like watching that browns game Gosh, it feels like the Jets defense just doesn't give a hoot. Like, and I, I, I shouldn't say that. Cause like, the players very clearly do. It, it doesn't give a hoot is the wrong way of saying it. But it feels like they are up, they're just at the end of their rope. Where it's just like, how are we supposed to show up for another game where we just have to be perfect to have a snowball's chance in hell of maybe winning in the fourth quarter? Like this, like once that defense starts to break, it's just like, okay, well. We lost this one because the other team already scored 17. So I guess this is over. Like you can just, you can feel how demoralized that defense is. And, and, and it's been a long season and by week one next year, they're going to be back up and charged up and ready to go and Rogers is going to be back. But I don't know how long you can say, you know, all right, we've got all of our young players, we've got all of our great players. Like, Bryce Huff's going to be a free agent, man. Like, CJ Mosley's getting a year older. Like, they, you know, they already had safeties leave the building, and safety play was an issue for them ne- this past year. Like, Sauce Gardner didn't have the same season he did last year. DJ Reed didn't have the same season he did last year. You can't just keep cycling in another year and be like, oh, all oh, the defense will be fine. No, like, this is the NFL. It's not for long. Like, you, you don't just stay atop defense four years in a row. It doesn't happen. Injuries catch up, age catches up, and, and that demoralization wears on you, and, and that unit isn't the same. I think the Jets are so unbelievably primed for an unbelievable implosion next offseason if Rodgers doesn't come back and just solve all of their problems with the magic wand. So, Lions oh make the playoffs next year. Cardinals make the playoffs next year. Jets get the first overall pick next year. Shield, if you could pick one of the three, which one do you think is going to happen?
1: this should have just been the whole show. You should have messaged me this morning and said, I have three things for now. And we could have like, none of my takes were worthy of anything this good. And now we're an hour 10 in and this is the best stuff uh, we get to in the whole show. The
0: Ben show. I've got three things is, is a format that I'm hundred percent keeping. Uh, it's one of my favorite. Uh, and That's going to come every so often on an extra yeah, point. It's a fun one.
1: That has, that has a high hit rate. All right. Uh, so the, let me just go one by one and then I'll give you my choice. Uh, Cardinals, I may know. I think they've played better than I expected. They've been more competitive than I've expected. Johnny Cant has been better than I've expected. No doubt about it. They still have the worst defense in the entire, uh, NFL and I don't think that there's a quick fix for that and I don't think that Gans is a great schemer even though I know he's trying stuff and it's looked a little bit different than it did in Philadelphia but I just think that's going to take some time to add some talent there so I think their defense is going to stink Petzig has done a fantastic job my fellow bald man uh with the Arizona Cardinals and yeah I'm curious to see what it looks like now listen there's a scenario where they kind of blew it here and they would have been in a better spot drafting one or two and getting one of those quarterbacks but uh It's okay. It's not like they have nothing. They can buy another year, see what it looks like with Kyler Murray um, next season. So I think they'll be competitive and frisky. I don't think they're making a big leap into the playoffs uh, next season. The Lions is the one where if I had to pick one of these, I'm sorry, Lions fans. This is the one I would probably lean towards. Now, Jared Goff is signed through next year. So they he's a free agent right in 2025. So they yeah. have him under contract next. Now, are is he going to be like, yeah, cool. I'll go into the last year of my contract. No big deal. Or is that going to be a conversation in the off season? That's obviously a big storyline, but I'm with you. I mean, you look at it and if it's Jared Goff without Ben Johnson next year and a first place schedule, Like it's, it might look a little, I think they're still a good team. I still, they got a lot of young talent that I really like. They're good on the offensive line. I don't love the defense. Like the defense is you know, statistically has been probably mediocre. I think if you watch them in the second half of the year, they have not been very good. So there's still enough good young talent there where I'm not saying they're definitely not going to make it. But yes, I do have concerns about that group next year with the the OC just feels like a huge difference maker uh for that team. And you never know for sure if that's the case. Maybe they'll groom someone and they got someone else they bring in and they're just as good or it's just a slight drop off. That's possible. But I do worry about them a little long term for all the feel goods of this season you look at them next year and beyond and it's like do you are you sure you have a long term answer at quarterback and play caller like the two most important things so uh i don't know not the two most important things dan campbell still a very good coach so i trust them but that's the one i lean towards the jets i don't think they're going to be that bad i mean they think about it they've had the worst offense in the nfl this year so even if rodgers plays like eight games and isn't great. The bar to clear is very low. And I'm with you on defense. I know it's volatile, but man, they still have a lot of good young players on defense. Like they have young guys up front that could develop and could emerge as very good players next year. They still have Quinn and Williams. They just still like their linebackers. They still got South Gardner. So uh, I'm not telling you they're going to have a monster season next year, but to be picking first in 2025, that would really surprise me. So out of those three, I am going I'm sorry, I feel bad. But uh, I think I'm also the other thing with the Lions, that division, Ben, I mean, everyone yep. knows how I feel about Jordan Love. Uh, we'll see what the, Bear... the Bears have been a very good team in the second half of this uh, season. And then you've got the Minnesota Vikings where their quarterback situation really can't be worse. I mean, Kirk Cousins could just go back to the Vikings and that could be a playoff team next year. So uh, it's not going to be as easy in that division next year. So there you go. How would you rank them? What do you feel best about? We'll finish out the show.
0: I think so. I think my number one is probably the Lions as well. My number two is, is the Jets. The, the exact logic that you put out, which is like the Jets, like their offense was so bad this year and they were still fine. That's the exact reason why, like, I, you can't keep doing this. It never works. Where you're just like, all right, we're good defense. And we're just waiting for the offense to solve itself. And we're going to stay good for forever. And we're going to be fine. Because eventually the front office and the coaching staff put so many resources into the offense that the defense starts to lose an edge. And then just like regression hits and variance hits. Like we we always, like in order to be a top five defense, like, okay, Salah, all the players, like it's very clear why this happened. But we always underestimate the amount that like luck and health play into it. And just I, I'm so worried that if the floor comes out on the Jets defense next year, even a little bit. Then they're 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 going to be in such clear implosion territory. It's like our defense needs to be better, up, but our offense needs to be better. And the defense was so good for so long, and Salah can't hold the locker room together. Like they 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 feel as most Aaron Rodgers employing teams feel, primed to me the the dynamite, the TNT, the fuse is coming down like the cartoon. So to me, I think that's like a a decent shot that they're bad bad next year. Cardinals, I think are going. I think they're going to be like five hundred, a little bit less than five hundred. I think they'll be like seven and ten. it's not going to be good enough, but. Defense, right? Like it's not good enough. they if they're if they're good next year, it's gonna be on get just an average enough defense to not cause you a problem theorem. And their offense is gonna be what's carrying them. And I like Kyler and Petsing's role in that. I'd love if they had one weapon I was I actually really like right. believe was lights out, right? Like, if this team goes and gets like T. Higgins, goes and gets like Mike Evans, then I'm gonna be like, all right, this offense can actually like pull some weight. I think they're they look like they could do that, but they need to have a good offseason to get it done. Marvin Harrison, baby.
1: There you go. All right. so, so, I thought. right. Don't we do a whole show on this in the offseason? Or do we do like three years out? What's that show we did last year? That was a lot of fun. Do you, like I, I, future I, I predictions. have no idea
0: what shows we do. I just show up and you tell yeah, me. We're doing me this. Like, here we go.
1: I have no idea. We'll save that for uh, April or whatever. All right. Thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you to Christopher Sutton for producing. Thank you to Eduardo Ocampo for the video production. Additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. Next up... On the feed is Dual Threat with Nora and Steven. And then Solek and I will be back on Friday to preview week 18 in the NFL. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. We'll talk to you on Friday.
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call one 800 step or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.
2: There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class, leading passenger space, and clean, thoughtful design, and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.